At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And we've got a tremendous podcast for you as we've got the analytics capper himself on the podcast, Albert Wynn. He does an amazing job with his website, analyticscapper.com. And for those of you guys interested in a little bit more than baseball, he does a great job on the NFL front. He does some work when it comes to tennis. He even does a little bit of KBO as well. This guy covers darn near every single betting market out there on the face of planet Earth and in the second segment. Going to get his thoughts on the San Diego Padres moving forward because we did wind up seeing the suspension of Fernando Tatis Jr. He is not going to be in the field this season. And why it doesn't necessarily affect the San Diego Padres as much as some might want to think. But that's it. Maybe why there wasn't a lot of value on the Padres to start with. So we'll dive into that. Talk about some of the betting angles that he's taking a look at now that we are in the August and September months as we've seen the haves and the have-nots be able to really separate themselves. We're also going to be taking a look at the great pitching matchup between Aaron Nola and Jacob DeGrom for Saturday. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to be over this in, first one is my Twitter timeline at GNet underscore D1. Keep in mind, letter CM, maybe does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline and the other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you're into this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today other than 
Why did the Blue Jays not score any runs to be able to cash that over? So let's dive into that, try to find some trends, and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Not necessarily the world's biggest shocker in the world at this point, but Jose Barrios struggled once again as the Cleveland Guardians, who I believe have the best record in the American League over the last 25 days, they wind up getting the job done 8-0 to against the Toronto Blue Jays, and all of a sudden the Guardians are game and a half up on the Twins, three and a half up on the Chicago White Sox, thanks to a six-game win streak of their own as they just completely pummel Mr. Barrio, says pair of home runs in this one. Jose Ramirez, 22nd home run season. Josh Naylor is 15th as, if you take a look at the pitching perspective, Cal Quantrill won it, no walks allowed in seven scoreless innings. Eli Morgan, Dick Sandlin from there, they both give you a scoreless inning. And I know it's all about Jose Barrios in this one. He gives up eight runs over the course of four innings including those two homers. From there, the bullpen wasn't bad. The Blue Jays legitimately have a top-ten bullpen in terms of ERA over the last 45 days. Zach Pop, Trevor Richards, Trent Thornton, Adam Simber, David Phelps, they all provide a scoreless inning, but damage was done by our good friend Jose Barrios, and team was unable to score, so even if they wound up giving up one run, that would have been a one too many. You did wind up seeing the Slam Diego Padres be able to get it done against Washington Nationals in the wake of everything that we wound up seeing with Fernando Tatis Jr. 10 to 5, the final in this one, as they put up a seven spot in the fifth inning. You did wind up having Brandon Drury go deep, 23rd home run of the campaign. Juan Soto in his trip back to Washington, he winds up going two of six, and in fact, they wound up getting six at-bats. And it's pretty incredible in and of itself as Mike Clevenger, not the world's sharpest start as he had four walks of five innings but only allowed one run. He did wind up having three runs in a third of an inning surrendered by Taylor Scott. But, I mean, the Padres had this one on cruise control. Nibel Krismet, an unearned run, give it up in two innings of work. Robert Suarez is able to go a scoreless inning. Nick Martinez gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen and for Washington. Corey Abbott just is not cutting it right now. Three runs surrendered over the course of four innings. Victor Rano gives up five runs in two-thirds of an inning out of the bullpen. Erasmo Ramirez was able to give you a scoreless inning. Jake McGee on his third team in the last three months. He provides a scoreless inning. He started out the season with the Giants. Then he went to the Brewers. Thank goodness he's no longer on my favorite team, the Milwaukee Brewers, anymore. And now he's here with Washington on an RVS scoreless inning. And then you wound up having the other homer surrendered by Taylor Clippard. So that was not necessarily too tremendous as Trent Grisham wanted getting the home run off of Arano, by the way, his 14th home run of the season. You don't mind seeing the Baltimore Orioles take it to the Tampa Bay Rays. This by a count of 10-3, and this is an Orioles bunch that all of a sudden they have made things very, very interesting in the wildcard picture as they are now half a game up on the Twins and the T- Tampa Bay Rays for that final playoff spot. You wound up having awesome both come out and give her ultimately solid start. Five and a third innings, his longest of the season. Gives up two runs, including Homer along the way to Randy Orozarena. Winds up getting his 14th home run season. From there, you did wind up having Joey Grebel give up a run while getting two outs out of the bullpen, but CNL Perez, Lewis Head, coupled with Keegan Aiken, I'll give you a scoreless setting and a pair of bombs here for Baltimore as Corey Kaluber winds up allowing one to Adelie Rushman, sixth home run season, and Jimmy Yacobonis winds up giving one up to Cedric Mullins. Mullins' his tenth home run of the season as Yacobonis gives up a run in his inning of work. Sean Armstrong, one and a third innings, giving up a run. Yu Chang into polish up that ninth inning, giving up a run along the way, and Corey Kaluber just got clubbed in this one. Seven runs surrendered over the course of five and two-thirds innings, including one of those homers. You did wind up seeing the Chicago White Sox 
get it done against the Detroit Tigers. 2-0 the final is. This was not a terrible start from Daniel Norris. A little bit of a surprise starter because the Tigers, they've just had so many injuries. It's not even funny to that pitching rotation. Four and two-thirds innings scoreless. Alex Lang gives up two runs in an inning before Willie Peralta gives you a scoreless inning. And Josh Foley, one and a third inning scoreless. But just no dice for the team on offense. As for the Chicago White Sox, Michael Kopech, 11 punch outs, six no-hit innings. He gets removed with the no-hitter after 85 pitches because Tony LaRusso has no idea what he's doing from there. Rinaldo Lopez, Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, they all give you a scoreless setting as the White Sox win despite the fact that they wind up leaving 10 men on base, so that was a positive booster for them. This is a negative booster for the Yankees. They have now lost 8 out of their last 9 games as they wind up falling to the Boston Red Sox by a count of 3-2, to and as a matter of fact, I believe since the 4th of July, this is a Yankees bunch that they have lost like 60% of their games. They have a losing record since the 4th of July. It has been very alarming, and they wind up leaving 10 men on base. Aaron Judge does his part. He gets his 46th home run of the season, 100th RBI, and Domingo Herman in a really good start. One run surrender of, of course, the six innings. Scott Efres, Araldis Chapman, they both won a scoreless setting, but the struggles of Clay Holmes continue. Scott North of a 5-5 ERA over the last three days. He lost a run in the ninth inning in a third of an inning. Wadi Peralta from there has to get a power of outs out of the bullpen before Lou Trevino gives up an under run in the 10th inning. As for Boston, give credit where credit is due. Anthony Valdi lost a home run to Aaron Judge, but giving up two runs in six innings against the Yankees, that's not bad. And then Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, Garrett Woodlock all were able to come out of the bullpen and look solid. Woodlock, two scoreless innings. Brazier and Barnes both lend a scoreless inning. And for Boston, 4 of 10 with men in scoring position with J.D. Martinez, who had been hitting about a buck 50 over the last 45 days. He comes up with three hits in this one. The Atlanta Braves take down the Miami Marlins by a count of 4 to 3. And for the Miami Marlins, they have not broken the three-run plateau on offense this entire month. That is really, really sad for the Atlanta Braves. Pair of home runs in this one. Michael Harris the second. He gets his 11th. That comes off of Eliezer Hernandez. And the starter in Pablo Lopez gives one up. To Matt Olson, 22nd home run of the season for Mr. Lopez. Two runs surrendered in five and two-thirds innings. Not too bad there. And then Eliezer Hernandez allows two runs in his inning of work, including that bomb. From there, you end up having Richard Blyer give you a scoreless inning along with Uskar Blazovin and an out of the bullpen from Stephen Okert. And for the Miami Marlins, I mean, this should just get a frowny face emoji. 1 of 14 with men in scoring position with 13 men left on base. He did have Brian Anderson go deep off of Jake Odorizzi. Fourth home run season, and for Odorizzi, he gives up two runs over the course of four innings, which against the Miami Marlins, that's like the equivalence of having a 9 ERA. From there, Colin McHugh, two scoreless things. Kirby Yates says we'll end up allowing a run while getting just an out of the bullpen, but Tyler Madzik, Kenley Jansen, both give you a scoreless inning, and then A.J. Minter, a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well. You did wind up seeing the Milwaukee Brewers Fall to the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of 3-1. to one. For Milwaukee, Eric Lauer does wind up giving up three runs over the course of six innings, including a pair of bombs going deep. The two main mashers, Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt, 28th home run season, 25th for Arenado, and that's all the offense that was needed for Jordan Montgomery. Six scoreless innings. Why the Yankees traded him away? I don't know. Ryan Helsley, a two-inning save, going two scoreless. And Andre Pilotti, he allows a run in an inning out of the bullpen. As for Milwaukee, two five with men in scoring position, but not a lot of offense doing here. As Jason Alexander, Brent Suter, they combine for two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. He wound up seeing the Minnesota Twins blank the LA Angels by a count of 4-0. And this is an Angels bunch that since they began the season 27-17, and 17, 
They have been able to win 22 games, and in that time span, they have now lost 46. That is not too great. As Tyler Molly, six scoreless settings. Michael Former, Yuan Duran, Ode Lopez will provide a scoreless setting from there. And for Minnesota, Gilberto Cicino winds up taking Patrick Sandoval deep. His first home run of the season. That's why that's going for the Angels right now. Gio Rochelle a little bit later. Goes deep off of Mike Myers. Is the long thumb on the campaign. For Myers, he piggybacks off of Sandoval, by the way. Four innings, winds up giving up two runs. And for Sandoval, gives up two runs over the course of five innings. Both allowed a bomb apiece. Wasn't bad pitching, in all honesty. Just the fact that the Angels have absolutely no offense right now with Mike Trout out of the fold. Ever since the beginning of the month of June, they're averaging 3.2 runs per game. That is in the bottom five of the big leagues. Our DK Nation pick was on an under, and you know what? That under winds up coming through. 5-3. to three. The Colorado Rockies, they take down the airs of the Diamondbacks as Zach Davies. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. Does wind up allowing a home run along the way as it was the catcher in Brian Servan who goes deep getting his fifth home run of the season. And for Antonio Sensatella, captain pitcher contact only gave up five hits in six innings in this one. That's got to be like his lowest of the season. He gives up three runs along the way before Denelson Lament, Lucas Gobreth, Carlos Estevez on Lundy scoreless inning for Colorado. And for Arizona, you did wind up having Devo Chris Davinsky give up two runs in one and a third innings, but Joe Mantiply, pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Kevin Ginkle a scoreless inning as the Arizona Diamondbacks. Unless there's just five hits in this one. As a matter of fact, the total was 12 and a half, and you had 11 hits in this game. So that was a relatively safe one. Coming into this one, the A's had won both starts of Adam Aller against the Houston Astros. No such luck in this one, thanks to the bullpen. 7 to 5. Houston Astros are able to get it done. Aller, not a terrible start. Two runs surrendered in four and two thirds innings. Perhaps he's got something on Houston, but Sam Maul gives up four runs without getting a single out. As for Houston, the decider in this one. A Kyle Tucker grand slam, 21st home run season off of Maul, just absolutely the epitome of brutality. And for the Astros, they've got the number one bullpen in terms of ERA out there in the big leagues. Will Smith gets shiggy with it, gets a pair of outs, but gives up a run along the way. But Hector Neris, he scores the setting, Ryan Stanek gets far outside the bullpen without either of them allowing any runs. And for Oakland, you also did wind up having Austin Pruitt, Len one in a third inning, scoreless. AJ Puckett, scoreless setting, Domingo Acevedo gives up a run in an inning. And for Oakland, they do wind up being able to go 3 of 10 with men in scoring position, and they're right around 500 ever since the All-Star break. They've been a little bit more respectable, but not enough to be able to get the job done in this one for the LA Dodgers. They collect win number 78, and 70 of them have come by multiple runs. They bumble the Kansas City Royals by a count of 8-3 to three as you wind up having Tony Gonsolin give a good start. One run surrendered and six and two-thirds innings. Now 14 wins on the season from David Price and out of the bullpen. Reyes Maranta does wind up allowing two runs in an inning, including a homer to Salvador Perez. 17th home run season, but he did wind up getting a scoreless inning out of Phil Bickford as well. And then Trace Thompson, Clay's brother, his fifth home run season. That comes off of Joel Piomp says... For the bullpen, it was brutal in this one for the Royals as you wound up having Piomps give up that solo run over the course of two innings, so he wasn't too bad. Josh Jamout, though, he gives up five runs, and he does not get a single out. You take a look at things, and ever since he has come off the injured list, his ERA is north of a 12. That is not great. Amir Garrett, scoreless ending out of the bullpen. Luke Weaver, though, he gives up two runs in an inning, and this squanders a start in which Daniel Lynch went five scoreless innings. It was a little bit of a hairy five scoreless innings, but he went five scoreless innings. So give a little bit of credit where credit is due, and that got squandered. The Seattle Mariners, they wind up going to Texas, and things are bigger in Texas, including the losses. 6-2 the final as 
for Seattle. No home runs in this one, but they did wind up getting back Julio Rodriguez, and they were able to go 3 of 13 with men in scoring position as George Kirby was solid in this game once again. Two runs surrendered over the course of five and two-thirds innings for Texas. They go just one of six with men in scoring position as it was a bullpen game for them. Josh Sabraz, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, he got the open. He was able to give a scoreless setting, but then from there, Matt Moore gives up a run in the nine. Taylor Hearn was supposed to be the bulk guy, and he gave up the bulk of the runs. Three runs surrendered in two and two-thirds innings. Jose Leclerc, two and a third innings scoreless. He did wind up having Jonathan Hernandez as well. Give up two runs, one of which was earned in his inning of work. And for Seattle, they've got the best bullpen here over the last 45 days in baseball, and it shows Andres Munoz was able to give you four outside the bullpen, and then Eric Swanson and Matt Brash both lend a scoreless inning as well. You saw the Phillies take down the New York Mets in 10 innings. 2-1 was the final as for the Metropolitans. Just nothing doing for this team on offense. They wanted going 0-7 with men in scoring position. And Squander's a good start for Max Scherzer. Scherzer was having to evade some dangerous. He did allow 9 hits in 7 innings, but surrenders just one run for the Philadelphia Phillies. The decider in this game in the 10th inning, Alec Bohm, was able to have an RBI sack fly as Rangers for as very good start here for the Phillies as well. One run surrendered over the course of seven innings. Jose Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez, David Robertson, all able to lend a scoreless inning as he wound up having Michael Givens. Givens up that unearned run in the 10th inning before Adam Adovino, Edwin Diaz. They both were able to give a scoreless inning as well to be able to preserve things. And then the San Francisco Giants get the job done against the Pittsburgh Pirates. This by kind of 5-3 to three as Bryce Wilson gives up four runs in five and a third innings. For Pittsburgh, for San Francisco, yes, Mikey Stremski takes him deep. 12th home run season for Carlos Rodon. Well, until we saw it start, he does wind up allowing two home runs, but both of those were solo home runs as he allows two in total over the course of six innings as he did wind up having going deep off of him. Ben Gamble, his fifth home run of the season, and you wind up having Rodolfo Castro get a second home run season, and Greg Allen gets his first home run season off of Thomas Zapucky, who you may remember, he got four outs and gave up nine runs at his start, ironically enough, Earlier this season in San Francisco, he gives up that solo run while getting just one out of the bullpen. So his ERA balloons to a 54. John Brebbia winds up landing a scoreless setting as you do wind up also having Alex Young get a pair of outs out of the bullpen before Camilio Duvall winds up being able to polish things up in the ninth inning. And if you're taking a look at Major League Baseball right now, certainly there has been a little bit more kick on the favorites recently with the money lines getting a little bit more steep. And we've seen it with the favorites just overall this season. They are now 1,003 and 672 straight up, but it's been a tough time for home favorites being able to cover the run line. Home favorites are 640 and 425, but there have now been 196 instances in which a home favorite has not been able to win by two runs to be able to cover the run line overall under Sarah hitting at about 51.3%, 816 unders to 776 overs thus far this season. If you take a look at the last 30 days, favorites, they're hitting at a clip of about 62.3%, 223 and 135 straight up home favorites, 140 and 79. So home favorites, they're hitting darn near 64%. And among those home favorites, all but 35 would be able to cover the run line. And in this time span as well, last 30 days, quite a few overs. 176 overs to 162 unders, so that's 52% to the over. That's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we wound up getting in Major League Baseball on Friday. Now let's turn it forward to Saturday, take a look at a few of these games, and just get the thoughts of Albert Wynn, better known as Analytics Capper, on the San Diego Padres moving forward. If there was any value to start with on San Diego Padres futures, 
and how he's taking a look at the game of baseball right now, now that the trade deadline has come and gone. That is up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think you could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of it, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then he's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guest. You may know him better as analytics capper, as Albert Wynn is joining me. He does an amazing job taking a look at a wide variety of markets, being able to find value when it comes to Major League Baseball just time and time again throughout the season. But on top of that, if you're someone that you like tennis, the NFL, list goes on and on. He does a great job of being able to handicap all of those markets as well. You see him quite often on Bookmaker Review, but he's also got his own website, analyticscapper.com, as Albert does a wide variety of things. One of the most knowledgeable minds that you're going to find in the industry, and you're able to follow him at Easy Enough Analytics Capper on Twitter. And Albert, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. Thank you, Greg. Thank you for the nice words and the introduction. I'm, I'm excited to hopefully do this you know, on more than one occasion. It seems like the way we handicap games, especially in baseball, are very similar. So if we agree on something, maybe that's extra you know, extra strong for the listeners. Absolutely. And something that wound up happening literally like an hour before we wound up coming on to do this interview is that it has been found out that there's an 80-game suspension for Fernando Tatis Jr. We will not be seeing him until at the earliest 2023. And I know that there were a lot of people that they bought him when it came to the Padres' futures, when they wanted getting Juan Soto. There was the expectation that Fernando Tatis Jr. was going to be back towards the playoffs. Does this wind up affecting your view at all of the San Diego Padres? Because I thought that even with Tatis Jr., Back in the fold, this was still a team that I wasn't going to be putting in the top three of my National League. Now, obviously, it doesn't wind up helping the Padres moving forward, but it was still not a team that even with them, I thought necessarily had the world's greatest value to be able to win the World Series. There you go again, Greg. We have the same similar mindset, same alignment here when it comes to the Padres. They are a great team. Don't get me wrong. If they were to get Tatis back, it is a scary lineup with average defense. There is you know, some struggling when it comes to their starting pitching. With that being said, Greg hit it right on the dot, guys. They're still in the league with the Dodgers, the Mets, uh, the Braves, right? The reigning World Series champions who continue to win no matter what happens. And mentioned them already, but the Mets with Scherzer and DeGrom and Bassett is going to be a, a tough out in the playoffs. So even with Tatis, I would put them fourth, just like you did. So I agree with you. I saw a bunch of people jumping on futures after that Juan Soto move. And you have to make that move. I mean, Juan Soto is arguably the best player in, in the entire league of baseball. But it didn't push him over the top. So not that I'm sitting pretty. I didn't have a ticket regardless anyways but I agree with you I think it was kind of fool's gold yep I do agree with you there and I think the big thing when it comes to handicapping baseball as well unlike what we wind up seeing in say the NBA where you wind up being able to pick up a guy like a Kevin Durant or something like that who's averaging 20 points per game with any position player they still only are able to give you four to five at bats now Obviously, there are some players like Mookie Betts, I think, is the perfect example in which they're able to be a 5-2 player. They're able to do a great job out there in the field. But, I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. has made some highlight reel plays. But even when he was out there on the field at the shortstop spot, he was still a guy that was a little bit of a liability with all the errors as Mm -hmm. well. So I do take a look at it. And in my opinion, even though it is very big news that Fernando Tatis Jr. is out of the fold, it shouldn't make too much of a quantum difference on the San Diego Padres because 
My viewpoint on position players might be a little bit different, but they just aren't as big of line movers as I was laying out with basketball. It's hard for any position player, in my opinion, to be worth more than, say, 15, 20-ish cents to the line. I think you and I are in agreement there. And honestly, it's nothing against the Padres. That's how I view it. I, again, I think they're a great team. And Juan Soto is an unbelievable talent. Only, I believe, 23 years old. And he's already accomplished so much in his career. But it's the rest of the teams. The rest of the teams are just so good. I think the Dodgers now have covered 10 straight run lines. And they're going for 11, maybe 12 tonight. I forgot the exact number. But, you know, the Padres, they can get on catch fire themselves. They can go 8-2 and two or 9-1. and one. And they don't make any ground up on the Dodgers. And you're seeing the same thing with the Mets now, right? With the Grom back. And I don't know. It's just a very, very tough league. And so, again, nothing against the Padres. Their competition is very, very good. Glad that you mentioned the fact that the Dodgers have been able to win so many games by multiple runs. It's joined me on the podcast. We do have Albert Wynn, better known as Analytics Capper. And I think that that's really important to take a look at this time of year because I mean, the Dodgers are finding themselves as $2 favorites night in and night out. If they play against lesser teams at home, this winds up ballooning to $3 favorites. And you just got to find ways to be able to reduce the juice. And one thing that I think has been interesting about the Dodgers is that going into Friday, we're doing this as we don't know what winds up happening on that Friday game. But out of their 77 wins thus far this season, 69 of them have been by multiple runs. And I think that this is something that is very important to take a look at because being able to reduce the juice, even if you're still laying like a minus 120 to a minus 125 on the Dodgers, instead of like a minus 225 at home, was a little bit more when they were playing against the Royals because when you're the road team, that winds up expanding the juice a little bit more on that run line because you wind up getting your ninth inning ups and things like that. I think exactly. that that's something that is very important to take a look at. I'm not sure how you wind up approaching baseball betting when it comes post-trade deadline, but I think that it is important to find these teams like the Dodgers. They're winning these games by multiple runs. And say the Brewers, for instance, a team that has been poor on the run line this season, maybe take it a run and a half and take it some fades on them. Yeah, I fully agree. I think post-All-Star break is when you see the haves and have-nots. You see the teams that are gearing up for the playoffs are making a huge playoff push, whether they made a trade or not. I think talent-wise, they can make the postseason. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you're going to see teams that actually call up the younger guys. Not that they want to lose, but they're not trying their hardest to win. So you see a lot of teams getting blown out at this juncture of the, the season just because they're you know in adjustment or they're developing guys. or Maybe the coach already has you know a foot out the door. Maybe some starting pitching is already thinking about their next team. So you definitely have to put all that into account. I don't know about you, Greg, but this is the most successful point of the season for me because it's easier, in my opinion, to spot those you know, advantages and disadvantages. I think August is a lot easier than September. September can be a little bit wonky when you do wind up having this September call-ups, when you wind up betting on games in which you know teams are going to be in contention. Like, for instance, we wind up getting like a Red Sox versus an Orioles series in September. Both of those teams are within four games of a wild card spot. You know what you're going to be able to get out of those teams when you wind up getting a team like the Royals playing against the Pirates. You got a bunch of unknowns. You've got a lot of September call-ups. That's where it can wind up getting a little bit wonky. Although I will say last year, September wound up going well for me. Last few years prior to that, it had been a little bit more touch and go. But I always think that that is an interesting dynamic to take a look at as Albert Wynn does a great job as the analytics gapper. He is going to be on the podcast. And speaking of which, we do have some interesting games that are going to be going down for Saturday with 
a few teams that, well, they're not necessarily in it, but you've got one very good star pitcher in this one. It's going to be Zach Gallon, who's going to be on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks against Jose Urania of the Colorado Rockies, as we know. Both of these teams, they're not going to be going to the playoffs, but Zach Gallon has been a very reliable starter this season. And for Jose Urania, wound up having a couple good starts. He is no doubt pitching. He's pitching for his next contract, for a spot on the roster next season. How do you wind up taking a look at games like this, especially when you do wind up having a guy like a Zach Gallon, who he's a little bit of a riser, but at the same time, he's on a team in the Arizona Diamondbacks that hasn't been able to provide him with the world's greatest support this season. That's true, but I think the pitching advantage here is significant to the point where I think it is a good look to go Arizona here. They are the road favorite, and it looks like it's steaming towards them as we head into tonight. Urena, like you said, he's lost his last three outings. Previous outing, he only lasted six innings before that, four before that, three. He hasn't been, you know, in tip-top form at all. And being in Colorado, and if you're not hitting your, your pitches, you're going to give up a ton of runs there. You know, I expect Arizona's offense to show up. Again, Colorado is kind of feisty at home because of that elevation, because they can put contact at the ball and really hit it hard. But if I were to pick this side, and again, we're doing this a day early, Right now, my initial look is going to be the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yep, we certainly have that game in which it's going to be involving a pair of teams that are out of the playoff race. But to my surprise, we've got a lot of really good games that are going to be going down this weekend because the Brewers and the Cardinals are fighting it out in the Central. There's going to be Corbin Burns and Adam Wainwright going out there. But what is really catching my eye, how about this pitching matchup? Aaron Nola going for the Philadelphia Phillies on the road against Jacob deGrom of the Mets and the Mets. They're right now finding themselves minus 170, minus 180 favorites. And this is a spot in which if it winds up getting up north of plus 160 for me, mm-hmm. I think that it is a good look on the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, we've got a little bit of an interesting total here of a six and a half because I wound up playing a lot of the six and a halves that we wound up seeing when the ball was, and I quote, dead towards the beginning part of the season over. Those seem to be working out well for me. I really need a good pitching matchup to even consider a six and a half under. I think that this one would certainly fit the bill for me. I'm not sure you're looking at this Phillies versus Mets game, but I do think that Aaron Nola getting just a little bit too disrespected here in a game in which I think both of these guys are going to go out there, do what they usually do, and just completely deal. Yeah, one thing about me, Greg, I love Jake DeGrom. I've loved him now for basically half a decade. Every time I I see him starting, the first thing I look at is the team total first five for the other team. Right now, it's set at one and a half for the Phillies. Juice to the under, minus 170. I've been riding this, honestly, for, for, like I said, for five years now, and it's been doing me really well. The thing with DeGrom so far since his return is the third time uh, through the lineup, people actually get to him. Uh, So we saw that recently. His previous outing, I think he had like 12 strikeouts in the first five or six innings. And then after that amazing run, I think he gave up two or three hits back to back to back. So I still like the first five look for the Mets. You're right though. Aaron Nola, people probably just look at his record. He is only 500 for the season, eight and eight for a team that's sitting at 62 and 49. It's not great when you're looking at his record. But if you look at his individual pitching analytics, I mean, 3-2 ERA, he's been amazing, especially at home. This game is on the road, so I think you're right. Once If it gets to plus 160 and above, there is value on the Phillies there, but most likely, for me personally, it's more of like a DeGrom play or a layoff. I just can't go against my guy. 
Yep, I can't blame you there. And I think the big thing that I always just take a look at with the Mets, and this is no doubt a different Mets team than we've seen in past years, but it just feels like whatever Jacob DeGrom winds up taking in the mound, the team doesn't wind up scoring from, which is why whenever it comes to Jacob DeGrom starts, if I'm looking to back him and I think that he's going to have a good start, which is darn near every single time, I would rather back him with an under rather than looking at a chalky money line with the New mm-hmm. York Mets because Jacob DeGrom could wind up doing everything right. He could wind up going out there, delivers seven, eight scoreless settings, and then one guy comes out of the bullpen, gives up two runs, and that winds up being the end of Jacob DeGrom being able to get the win. I'm not sure if you agree, slash disagree with that, but if I'm looking to back Jacob DeGrom in a lot of starts because you are paying such a high premium, I'd be looking mm-hmm. at other ways rather than a money line of the best or even a run line just because it feels like DeGrom, with how dominant he is, he always draws the other team's best starter as well, and that leads to a bunch of low-scoring games that are typically decided by one run. I fully agree with you. I forgot the exact statistic here off the top of my head, but if you were to look back, again, this is just a PLDR version, but if you look back in the last five to six seasons, if you took a DeGrom money line every single time, you're actually down. And that's not because, obviously, he's a great pitcher and he's won multiple Cy Youngs. Like Greg is saying, you don't get the run support when you bet the Mets. It's just a phenomenon that nobody understands. But I agree with you. Even with DeGrom on the mound, I would never take the, the money line here at you know $2. But my look is always the other teams under, first five especially. But this is a great pitching matchup, man. Nola, I would say he's been up and down. There were There was a stretch there in the middle of the season where he had three or four you know, mediocre starts, but he's been dominant now for the last several weeks. So I think he is getting into form. The Phillies themselves are getting into form. They're kind of like the team that you don't want to play in close games at the end because they do have a lot of clutch hitting there. So I'm going to lay off this game. I'm probably just going to watch it and enjoy hopefully a great pitching matchup. Yep, I agree with you. I do think that we're going to be able to get an incredible pitching matchup. I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. And Albert, just taking a look at the board, for Saturday, as we're doing this, there are a few games that are off the board. There's a couple TBD starters. We've got a doubleheader between the Miami Marlins and the Atlanta Braves, so that always makes things a whole bunch of fun if you're looking to fire in on those. But with that said, is there anything that you might be targeting, whether it be overnight or perhaps in the AM? They're my hometown team, so maybe this is the homer play. I like Dave Dunning against the, the Mariners. He is getting, I think it opened up as a Seattle favorite, and it slowly flipped over to a Texas Rangers Favorite, very short, maybe minus 110, minus 115, depending on the book. But I think that's a great spot for the Rangers, who have not been playing well at home. But I think there is a potential here for a regressional spot. I think they've been dominated by the Astros and the Seattle Mariners all season long. But slowly, we're going to see a small regression to the mean. I think this is a great buy-low spot for the Rangers. I totally agree with you because with Dane Dunning, I like to back him at home. Ever since he's gotten to Texas, his ERA has been about two and a half points lower in Arlington rather than all other ballparks. So he clearly is very comfortable there. And Marco Gonzalez on the flip side for the Seattle Mariners. He certainly does wind up giving up the deep balls as well. He's been very lucky with the amount of solo home runs that he's given up. I have a feeling that one or two of those, they might be two to three run shots and we should see his ERA going upwards. So at right around like a minus 110 to a minus 115, I agree with you there. And Albert, I know that you're doing a great job handicapping a wide variety of markets. This time of year, you do a great job in terms of being able to take a look at the baseball board day in and day out. But 
I know that you're taking a look at football for the upcoming season. I know that you do a great job on the tennis circuit as well. You do a wide variety of things. So love the good people at home. Know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along with your work on social media and other platforms. Yes, definitely check me out on Twitter at Analytics Capper. Greg mentioned my website is just analyticscapper.com. Those are probably the easiest ways to contact me, but everything that Greg said about me, you know, I appreciate it. But you guys are listening to the best of the best there. Greg is amazing in terms of handicapping and finding the small edges. I think what really sets Greg apart from the rest of the, you know, rest of the industry is he can really define um, edges, whether it's a small edge, a pitching edge, a hitting edge, and this is just baseball, right? Everyone knows him when it comes to college basketball, but Greg is using those same principles that he created in college basketball and the, the rest of the other sports, and he's been amazing at it. So definitely, definitely, I am honored to be on the show and can't wait to jump back on soon. And it's a pleasure to have you aboard, Albert. I know you do a great job in so many different markets, being able to find those edges as well, being able to crank out a profit. Albert does an amazing job on all the different platforms that he contributes for and did a great job on this podcast here today as well. It was great to be able to get Albert aboard. A big thanks to him. And now it is that time of the podcast coming up next. I give you a fix and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah I, yeah because you gotta think Love he's it. gonna guard he don't care about guarding he's gonna guard he's gonna exactly. guard like you see him in the olympics exactly. he's gonna guard and then on I'm top of it like that see that Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to get Albert Wynn, better known as Analytics Capper, on the show. I know that he's been doing some great work over there at Bookmaker Review. It is on website, analytics.com. Covers a little bit of everything. For those that like sports like tennis, the NFL, list goes on and on. He handicaps those. Does a great job day in and day out. Taking a look at the MLB as well. I don't know what he doesn't do because it's been very hard work and great to be able to get him on the show today. So, big thanks, Albert, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Saturday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that, as per usual, any changes that made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. Really, the lone exception we've got is going to be at the top when we've got our double dip between the Braves and the Miami Marlins. I am going to do those both together because Marlins are still a little bit TBD on the order in which are going to be trotting out there. They're starting pitchers. So let's get it all started with that double dip. We're going to be going 901, 902, and 909, 910 on the betting board. Braves and Marlins going to be doing a pair out there in Miami. We do know that Ian Anderson is going to be going game one for Atlanta, and Spencer Strider is on in game two for Atlanta. Game one, it appears to be Ace Luis Cesardo is going to get the start for the Miami Marlins. Game two is TBD. I've got this as Nick Neidert versus a bullpen game, so that's how I'm going to handicap these, and as I'm doing this right now, we've got no numbers up on either of these games, but if we do wind up getting Anderson versus Lozardo, this would be a spot in which I'd be making the Braves. Minus 172 on the money line would be willing to lay up to a minus 108 on the run line with a total of a 7.8. 7 half for less would be looking over 8 or higher to the under with Ian Anderson. Not been a great year from a 5.11 ERA has actually been better on the road than he has been at home. 5.63 on ERA compared to a 4.68 ERA on the road and it's not really that he's given up a bunch of homers or anything like that. He's given up about one home run per nine innings. The thing that he needs to lock down on is the walks as 
His walks per nine rate that is hovering in the neighborhood about 4.6, 4.7. When you're a guy that you only get right around seven and a half to eight strikeouts per nine innings, that is a little bit of an issue. And for Ace Lucisardo, he's just been banged up for much of the season. He's made two starts since his return day. He's looked really good. 12 innings against, now, poopy competition in the Cubs and the Reds, but in 12 innings, he's given up two runs, four hits in total, 11 strikeouts with just one walk, and that's been a big thing for him as well because his box per nine rate, that's in the neighborhood about a 3.6, 3.7 thus far this season, but the big thing for the Miami Marlins is entering into Friday. They had scored three runs of fewer in every one of their games thus far this month. You do have Brett Anderson, who's back at the fold. He's made with about a 265. Garrett Cooper has been off and on injured, though. John Birdie has been off and on injured. Joey Wendell has been off and on injured. All these guys hitting between, I'd say, about a 262 to a 275. And then guys like Lewin, Diaz, Jacob Stallings, guys at the bottom of the fold for the Miami Marlins. They have just been awful. Meanwhile, you've got an Atlanta Braves team that they've been awesome in terms of their offense. They lead the National League in terms of home runs. Austin Riley, he's been able to pump out 30 of them. He's hitting nearly a threader. William Contreras, along with the other catcher and Travis Arno, both a double-digit amount of bombs, both hitting above a 255. They wind up calling up the young guy in Von Grisham, and his first hit winds up going over the green monster out there in Fenway. Ronald Acuna Jr. has been able to move the line. Michael Harris II, he's been a great call-up for this team. So the list goes on and on. And for the Atlanta Braves, they do have some relatively good long relief as well. Dylan Lee is someone that, when needed, he's able to give you multiple innings. Jay Jackson is someone that I believe was pitching in the Nippon Baseball League over in Japan throughout his MLB career. So it's been relatively solid. So they've got him in the bullpen. Jackson Stevens, he's got a sub-3 ERA. They've got him now in the bullpen as well. And for the Miami Marlins, it's a little bit more touch and go with regards to the bullpen with having Asus Cesardo back at the full Eastman solid, but he's not necessarily able to give as much length as before, and they're going to need him to deliver as much length as possible because in Game 2, even if it is Nick Neidert instead of a bullpen game, well, they're going to be using up a lot of pieces. Elias Hernandez, he's a former starter that has been trotted out there in the bullpen. Out of the bullpen thus far, he hasn't been too bad as he has really had eaten each out of his last four appearances. No run surrendered, but it's been a rough year for him with right around a 6 ERA. You've had Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro post up right around 4-ish ERAs, but don't have a lot of guys that can really fill innings for you. So I do think that that is going to be a big, giant issue, and that's why I've got Atlanta as such a big money line favorite at game number one. And then Spencer Strider gets bullpen game slash Nick Neidert if you wind up getting him. For Nick Neidert, he's pretty much going to be an opener plus if you do wind up getting him. This is a spot where I set the Braves minus 238 on the money line, minus 156 on the run line. And then same thing, 7.5 for less, looking at an over 8 or higher to the under. I wind up having my projected runs for the Marlins in the Anderson start at 3.3. So I think that there's a chance that they can get to 4 against him. I don't think that that'll be the case against Spencer Strider. Strider has been absolutely magnificent all season long for the Atlanta Braves. He's getting... A little bit over 12 strikeouts per nine innings has actually gotten more like 13 and a half strikeouts per nine innings. I will say 3.4 walks per nine innings. That's a tad bit high, but he's been able to work on that in his recent few starts. Still finding getting blown up a little bit in his last start against the Mets, but now two walks for fear in each out of his last four. That is a very good sign for the same. And once again, it could be Nick Nider. They could wind up sending up another guy from the minor league level, but for the Miami Marlins, they're probably going to be looking to a bullpen in which they wind up selling off a lot of pieces. They've got no sort of a lineup to speak of, so 
They are going to be a FDFD underdog, and if you do get Strider versus Nick Neidert, I'd be willing to lay up to about a minus 155 on that run line. So in both cases, 7.5 or less, looking at an over 8 or higher to the under, and then with Anderson, made him a minus 172, Strider minus 238. Now we go to 903 and 904 on the betting board. It is the Chicago Cubs, the third faceoff against the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they're on to Graham Ashcraft getting the start for them, and Adrian Sampson is going to be on the bump for the Cubs. The Cubs, a very slight underdog. Anywhere between even money and minus 105. Meanwhile, between minus 110 and minus 115 is your price. On the right side, and a half is your total. The under is minus 120, and the over is even. I did wind up setting my total at a 9.3, so I'm going to be looking at a 9.5 under. And I was going to lay up to a minus 130 with Graham Ashcraft and company. Now, the Cincinnati Reds, they did wind up selling off a few pieces for that lineup at the trade deadline, but Donovan Solano has been able to hit nearly a 300 for this bunch, Joey Fato, he has been a little bit banged up this season, but when he's been out there, he's been a relatively reliable bat for this team as well. And then you've got guys like a Nick Senzel, Kyle Farmer, guys sitting between about a 245 to a 255. Matt Reynolds is someone that is in that fold as well. They have been rock solid. And for the Reds, bullpen has been a mess this season. Let's call it what it is. They're the only team with a bullpen ERA that's north of five. But we've seen guys like Ian Gabo, Buck Farmer pitch a little bit better. Now, he still have north of five ERAs, but I do think the Graham Ashcraft is going to be able to go out there and lend a relatively solid start because the big thing with Ashcraft is that he doesn't wind up putting guys on cheaply, which allows him to wind up being able to land a little bit of length. Walks have been a little bit more of an issue in his last few starts, two plus in four out of his last five, but overall, he's been issuing about 2.1 walks per nine innings, very much a pitch of contact guy with about 5.8 strikeouts per nine innings, but overall, has been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort, and when you do take a look at Graham Ashcraft as well, he's been able to do a relatively solid job at Great American Ballpark, posting up a 346 home area compared to a 446 area on the road, giving up one home run per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Adrian Sampson, he has been relatively solid here for the Cubs. 430 road area compared to a 363 area at home, giving up a little bit under a home run per nine innings, so has been solid there. And really what's been good for him, well, he gave it up about two walks per nine innings, so he's done a nice job of being able to limit damage with that regard. He is starting to get figured out a little bit more. It does seem not a guy that's going to go out there and give too many strikeouts as his strikeouts per nine rate is a little bit below seven, but he is backed up by a pair of guys in Patrick Wisdom along with Wilson Contreras who would be able to lend a combined 36 home runs. Now, when it comes to Patrick Wisdom, this guy is on pace for north of 200 strikeouts this season. That is not too great, but you do have quite a few guys that are able to get on base. I mentioned Contreras. You're able to throw in there P.J. Higgins, Ian Happ. These guys have north of a 355 on base. Nico Horner has been able to hit darn near a 300 for the team when he's been out there. David Bodie has been relatively solid as well. And for the Cubs, they did wind up selling off quite a few bullpen pieces at the trade deadline, but Anderson Espinosa still has a sub-3 ERA. Kervin Castro is currently starting at a 1964 ERA when you've got an ERA that is that high. It's not necessarily so terrific when you've got an ERA that is right around when the Kennedy assassination wound up taking place. Not great, but with that said, you do have Eric Ullman who's been able to lend some relatively solid innings. And Rome Weck, he wound up having a really rough go of it towards the 
month of June. He has not given up an earned run over the last 30 days. So that is refreshing to see. So I do think that this is going to be a case where you're going to get some relatively solid pitching. It does feel like Samson starting to get figured out a little bit more. And I do think that Graham Ashcraft going to lend a little bit more length after we did wind up seeing Samson give up a combined seven runs in his last two starts against the Marlins and the San Francisco Giants. So I'm willing to lay up to a minus 130 when it comes to the Cincinnati Reds with both teams selling off pieces at the deadline. So by total at a 9.3. So looking under as well, 9 to 5, 9 to 6 on the bang board. It is the Slam Diego Padres at the road face off against the Washington Nationals. Anibal Sanchez. Why he's getting a start, I have no idea, but he is for the Washington Nationals. And you, Darvish, is on the bump for the Padres. The Padres are anywhere between minus 270 and minus 280 favorites, between plus 235 and plus 240. It is your price on the Nationals. If you're looking at the run line of the Padres, it's anywhere between minus 165 and minus 175. And your total is signed. The under is minus 120. And the over is even. I was willing to lay up to a minus 175 on the run line, and I need at least a plus 284 to take a shot on the Nationals. Typically, I am a sucker for these big underdogs, but Anibal Sanchez is about 587 years old. He just should not be getting starts whatsoever for a Nationals team that they need to rebuild. They need to look to the future. Anibal Sanchez in his five starts. The team has lost all five of them. As a matter of fact, the team has lost all but one of them by multiple runs, and that would be the first start. He has won at least four and a third innings in every one of them, but he's given up at least three runs in every start. He has given up a combined eight home runs in these starts as well. He has given up at least two walks in every one of these starts. There's really no redeeming qualities with Anibal Sanchez. I tried to search for one. There really isn't any. Hugh Darvish, meanwhile, he certainly has had his home and road splits over the last two seasons since he wound up getting sent to San Diego. He has been having an ERA that's been nearly two points higher on the road rather than at home, but he's been reined in a little bit more when he has been on the road, and he's been in a relatively good form recently. Over his last five starts, he's been able to go a combined 33 innings. That's a lot of five deep balls in that time span, but his strikeouts per nine rate and his right around 10.5 overall for the season has been getting right around nine strikeouts per nine innings on the road. The deep ball has been a little bit of an issue as he's giving up about 1.15 home runs per nine innings, but... The Padres have been able to do a solid job of being able to maneuver some pieces in the bullpen. It still needs a little bit of work, but Tim Hill, over the last 40 days, he's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. Taylor Scott, Adrian Morajon, they don't necessarily lend a lot of positivity, but Luis Garcia has been okay for the team. DeBell Crispin is able to give you multiple innings, and now you've got Josh Hader, meanwhile, for the Washington Nationals. The weak link of this team has not really been their bullpen, as you've got a few guys who are able to lend some solid innings. Hunter Harvey, for instance, he's been posting up right around about a 365-ish ERA. Steve Ciszek, Kyle Finnegan, these guys have sort of been in that fold. Carl Edwards Jr. has been able to lend some good innings as well, but for the Washington Nationals, they're dead last in the National League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis, and they wound up having Juan Soto and Josh Bell towards the beginning part of the season. Now they do not have those guys. They still have guys that are able to move the line. Luis Garcia has been able to about a 290 for this team, and got to give a shout-out to a guy that has been a lifetime minor leaguer and Joey Manessis. He has pounded out four home runs in his first eight games, so credit where credit is due there. Luke Voigt has a double-digit amount of homers, but just have a lot of guys sitting between, I would say, above a 235 to a 245. Voigt is just below that, but 
Kibeta Weiss, Cesar Hernandez, Michael Franco, Elier Mo Vargas, Lane Thomas. They're all guys in that fold. And for the Padres, they aren't going to be having Fernando Tatis Jr. anytime soon, but they do have Jerickson Profar, Juan Soto, Awesome Kim, Austin Supernola, in between about a 245 to a 255. Soto north of a 400-run base. He and Brandon Drury, 20-plus home runs. Josh Bell has been hitting nearly a 300. Manny Machado has gotten up to 20 bombs after he wound up having a rough month of July. He seems to be bouncing back as well. I do think that Darvish is going to be able to give a good start and Anibal Sanchez going to continue to be Anibal Sanchez. They might have saying Matola today. 8.9 just with the lack of firepower that the Nationals currently have in the lineup. So I'm going to be looking at the under and I'm going to be willing to lay the very, very hefty run line of the Padres willing to go up to a minus 175 on that. 907, 908 on the betting board. It is the Philadelphia Phillies at the road. They're going to be facing off against the New York Mets. Jacob de Grom is going to be going for the Metropolitans and Aaron Supernola is on the bump for the Phillies. The Phillies are sizable underdogs. You're going to be able to get them in between plus 155 and plus 165. Meanwhile, with the Mets, they are anywhere between minus 170 and minus 185. Favorite six and a half is your total. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. Needed at least the plus 160 to be able to take a shot on the Philadelphia Phillies. And we've been able to get there. Now, Jacob DeGrom, he's looked very solid ever since coming back from injury. In his last start, he did wind up giving up two runs. But those wound up coming off of a one hit. So... I do wind up taking that into account as well. He's still able to throw north of 100 miles per hour. He's still locating really well, but take a look at Aaron Ola, and he just doesn't deserve to be this big of an underdog, in my opinion. He has been superb on the road. 421 a home ERA compared to a 224 ERA on the road, giving up four home runs at 76 and a third innings. One away from Philadelphia. Opponents overall, they're going to get 219 off of him. He's been able to get 10 strikeouts. Per nine innings, Jacob DeGrom in his two starts back. He's got 18 punch outs at 10 and two thirds innings. So I certainly do think that both of these pitchers are going to be able to lock down. The Mets have been playing a lot of overs recently, and the lineup, it has been relatively impressive as you've got a pair of guys with north of 70 RBI in Francisco Lindor, along with Pete Alonso. Alonso has been able to hit for about a 280. Meanwhile, Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, Marcana, Taylor Naquin, these guys are between about a 260. To 270. Alonso's approaching 30 home runs. Lindor has 20 bombs as far this season, and Sterling Marte's been able to ride around at 290 with Jeff McNeil and right around 300. But I do think that Nola could be able to lend a solid start. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, since the canning of Joe Girardi, they've had one of the best bullpens out there in the big leagues. Corey Canable's been solid in that seventh inning. Brad Hanser, Anthony Dominguez, they have been good. David Robertson has been able to lend some nice innings. And then you do take a look at this Phillies team, and without having Bryce Harper in there, it has been a little bit rough for this lineup now. The good news is they've got Gene Segura back in the He's been able to about a 285 this season, and Alec Bohm. How about him being able to move the line? Not a lot of power, but it's been able to about a 295. You've had Kyle Schwarber be able to do a good job with the deep ball all season long, but he wound up getting injured in the back half of their series against the Miami Marlins. You got to figure that he's going to be out of the fold. You do have Nick Cassianos, JT Riumito, along three Hoskins. He's between about a 250 to a 265, but it's really been Hoskins who's been able to supply that deep ball, hitting 24 home runs going into yesterday. So I do think that you're going to see a shortage of offense in this one. I set my total at 6.3 very, very rarely. Do I take a look at one of these six halves and I'm willing to dive under, but that is the case with the way that both of these teams have been pitching with the Mets. Got to figure that the bullpen is going to be up in this one as well. Edwin Diaz has been the ultimate ninth inning guy thus far this season. Michael Givens has had a little bit of a rough time in New York, but Adam Bonavino has been solved for the team. I like the upside of Adonis Medina. Trevor May, whenever he's gotten innings, it has been a little bit of a miss, but I don't think that they're going to be trotting him out there as well. And I do think that DeGrom now is going to be on a little bit more of a regular 
workload as well. So one to dive under in this spot. Need at least a plus 160 to take a shot on the Phillies, and we've gotten there. So looking Phillies and looking at this total under. We did wind up doing 909-910 a little bit earlier between the Braves and the Miami Marlins. So we go to 911-912 on the betting board. It is the Milwaukee Brewers in the road. They're facing off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Wayno, Adam Wainwright is going to be on the bump for St. Louis, and Corbin Burns is going to be on the bump for Milwaukee. I did not use the old English accent, so I spared you guys that, but when it comes to the Brewers, they are finding themselves minus 130 favorites. Meanwhile, between plus 110 and plus 120, your price on St. Louis. The total is 7, the over is minus 120, and the under is even. And when it comes to Milwaukee Brewers, I do think that they should be the favorite in this spot. I wound up saying them at a minus 127, so we would need to get down a little bit more if you're taking a look at the run line as well. Finding it anywhere between a plus 145 to a plus 150. If I'm getting a plus 150, I'd be willing to dive in here. We're going to be seeing how things wind up moving overnight because this was a line that was a relative pick them when I wanted coming out. If I'm able to get a minus 127 or less, I'm going to be looking at the Brewers. But if we're sort of in that no man's land, minus 130, but we see the plus 150 run line, I'll be willing to take a look there. Would rather have a money line rather than a run line here personally, but I'm willing to invest in Corbin Burns in this spot because with Corbin Burns, he's actually been better on the road each out of the last two years than he has been at home. This year, 282 home ERA compared to a 201 ERA on the road. And the big thing for Burns is that he's been able to keep down the deep ball when he's been on the road. 11 bombs and 73 in the third innings at home. 5 bombs and 62 and 2 thirds innings on the road. Opponents overall hitting a buck 83 off of him and he's got once again north of 11 strikeouts per 9 innings. And Wainwright, not as much of a strikeout guy but with Wayno, he's been able to do a good job of really being able to control the walks. You take a look at what he's been able to do just recently in general. He's been able to get that walks per 9 rate down to right around about 2.7, 2.8 after it was relatively rough to begin the season. Now, Adam Wainwright, not necessarily entering into the world's greatest form here as you take a look at his last five starts. He has been giving up right around 11 walks in 20 and two-thirds innings. So the bugaboos that he wound up having at the beginning of the season, they're starting to manifest themselves a little bit. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, it's actually been an offense that has been able to supply the deep out quite a bit. William Thomas, Rodi Tellas, both have been able to give you north of 20 home runs. Hunter Renfro, he's going deep every about 14 or so at-bats with Renfro along with Kessich Hira, both of these guys in right around 245. And then Christian Yelich along with Andrew McCutcheon, Jonathan Davis when he has been out there on the field. All guys sitting between about a 250 to a 260. Yelich way down with the deep ball, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to get on base. Mark Barrasso has been able to about a 280 for this team as well. And then the St. Louis Cardinals lineup and a combined 51 home runs entering into yesterday from Paul Goldschmidt along with Nolan Arenado. Goldschmidt right now the odds on favor to be able to win National League MVP with the way that he's been able to provide north of a 400 on base. That's that though. It's been a little bit lean in terms of this offense. So I will say Paul DeYoung, take a look at the bug 85 average for a season. You think that this guy stinks, but ever since he wanted getting recalled from AAA, 400 on base, a nearly a 300. He's back to his old form. Albert Pools has still been able to right around at 245 for the team. Brandon Donovan wound up returning in that series against Rockies. He's been able to right around a 280. You've been able to get a double digit amount of homers of Nolan Gorman as well. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, I think now they've got a little bit of a leg up in terms of the bullpen. They don't necessarily have that Devin Williams guy, but Ryan Helsley actually has a better ERA. He's got a sub-1 ERA thus far this season. Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, both providing a sub-330 ERA out there in the bullpen. Packy Nahn is able to give you multiple innings when needed. Meanwhile, you do have Brent Suter, who's been 
up and down for this Brewers bullpen. Hobie Milder and Brad Boxberger have both been able to provide a sub-3 ERA, Devin Williams. In terms of earned runs, he's allowed an earned run in just one out of his last 34 appearances, but they've had a lot of albatrosses like Jake McGee and company in that bullpen as well, so that does have you a little bit leery on them, but I do think that Corbin Burns going to go out there. He's going to be able to give an absolutely amazing start, so would be willing to lay up to a minus 127 on the Brewers money line, and right now as I'm doing this, I'm seeing a minus 121 at the Westgate, so we'll be looking Brewers money line at current numbers that I'm seeing right now, and when it comes to this total, I'm going to be taking a look at an under. I do think that it is going to be a case which a Brewers team that doesn't do a great job will be able to get on base, going to have a little bit of a tough time with it, and Burns is going to continue to be burned. So, setting my total at 6.8, looking under and looking Brewers. 9-13, 9-14 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks get the red face off against the Colorado Rockies. Jose Ureña is going to be going for the Rockies, and Zach Gallen on the bump for Arizona. Arizona is finding themselves minus 135 to minus 145 favorites. Meanwhile, between plus 125 and plus 130, your price on Colorado with the Rockies and Diamondbacks. So, that is 11.5 over and under, both at minus 110. And we were talking about this game with Albert Wynn, and I'm in agreement with him. If we see this line get a little bit more out of whack, that might wind up changing some things. But I'm going to lay up to a minus 138 with regards to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zach Allen has been absolutely incredible for this Arizona Diamondbacks team this season. He's not necessarily backed up by the world's greatest bullpen, but you still have Joe Mantiply, who's been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. The Kyle Nelson injury has hurt this bullpen a little bit. But you take a look at what Mr. Gallon has been able to do. 312 ERA. Now, this is Coors Field that he's going to be going to, but he's got a 342 road ERA thus far this season. Giving up six home runs in 47 and a third innings. And the big thing for Zach Allen this year, he's able to provide more length because he's been able to cut down on the walks. He's given up a right around 2.7 walks per nine innings over his last five starts, by the way, a buck 72 ERA. It looked like he was starting to wear down towards more of the month of June into early July, but he's now been able to find himself once again against Colorado thus far this season in three starts. He has given up seven runs, so he's been able to do a relatively solid job. I know that one of those starts were on the road, and for Jose Ureña, he wound up having a couple of very solid starts to begin his tenure with the Colorado Rockies, and he's now given up three-plus runs in three out of his last four starts, and for that matter, he wound up having that 10-run albatross against the LA Dodgers. I don't think that he's quite that bad, but if you do take a look at the advanced analytics, Yerenia certainly doing for a little bit of regression. He's only been giving up one home run per nine innings with regards to things like barrel rate and what have you. He's been very lucky to only be giving up right around one home run per nine innings, and the big thing for Yerenia is that he's given up 4.8 walks per nine innings while not being a strikeout guy. He's getting right around five strikeouts per nine innings as well. This is a recipe for disaster, especially when you wind up pitching in a ballpark such as Coors Field and Fielding Independent is certainly not matching up with that 463 ERA and he has to go up against an Arizona Diamondbacks lineup that they are averaging right around 1.35 home runs per game on the road at home. That winds up falling to right around 0.9 but do take a look at this Diamondbacks lineup and Dalton Varsho has been able to do a very solid job recently hitting about a 240 for the season 16 home runs but you take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 15 days he's been able to slug out a trio of bombs hitting about a 300 in that time span so he's starting to heat up. Alec Thomas has been able to about a 250 for this bunch. Jake McCarthy, Ketel Marte, Josh Ross in between about a 262-270 big for a team that they do rank in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of batting average as you've got guys like Seth Beard, Gerardo Perdomo, Sergio Alcantara able to throw on their Christian Walker who does 
does have 26 home runs to his credit, but Cooper Hummel, Jordan Luplo, guys like this, in a 215 or lower run for the Colorado Rockies, they're right around 40 points higher when they are at home rather than on the road, and they just have so much more power. They average 0.65 home runs per game when they are on the road. Meanwhile, at home, more like 1.2. Brandon Rogers, for instance, out of his 11 home runs, 10 of them have wanted coming at home. You got someone like Randall Gritchick. He's hitting about a 280 when he's at home, buck 80 when he's on the road. So you've got some big giant splits there. And for the Colorado Rockies, they've got an ERA that's lower at home rather than on the road as well, despite the fact that it is at elevation. Someone like Lucas Gilbreth, for instance, he's got north of a 5 ERA when he is on the road. At home, this winds up being a sub-3 ERA. Alex Colomay certainly has felt at home in Colorado this season as well. Daniel Bard has been able to do a solid job out there in the bullpen as well. But I do think that Arizona going to be able to get a good start out of Zach Gallon. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 138 in this spot. And I do think that Jose Urania is going to be giving up quite a few runs. And I do think that Colorado is going to be able to slug some out as well. Set my total at 11.8. So looking over. And I'm going to be looking at the Diamondbacks up to a minus 138. 9-15, 9-16 on the bang board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're on the road. They're facing up against the San Francisco Giants. Logan Webb is going to be going for the Giants. To be determined, is going to be on the bump for the Pirates. This is an off-the-board case in this one. Got to figure that it's probably going to be Tyler Beatty in this spot. If not, it's going to be some form of a bullpen game. And it wouldn't change too much because I do have Tyler Beatty pretty much as an opener plus at this point. So there wouldn't be too much movement if it isn't Mr. Beatty. But set the Giants at a minus 233 on the money line. Would be willing to lay up to a minus 124 on the run line with seven or less looking at an over and an eight or higher to the under and beating. He wound up having in his last start three and two-thirds innings scoreless against the Arizona Diamondbacks. That did wind up coming on Monday, so this would be his turn in the rotation. And overall for the season, a 3.57 ERA, and he would be going up against his former team in the San Francisco Giants. Now, he's been away from the Giants the last few seasons, so there's not a lot of guys that would have a lot of familiarity, and I do think that it would be a little bit of a motivational spot for him. And you take a look at this Giants team, I just still have no idea how they're ranking in the top eight in terms of runs on a per-game basis. They do a very good job in terms of their platooning, but I mean, Wilmer Flores and Jack Peterson are the only two guys that have north of 11 home runs for the team entering into the series. Both guys bring it 250, which that's not too bad. You've had Thario Estrada, Austin Slater, Luis Gonzalez, hitting between about a 263 to a 270, but I mean, you've got a lot of guys that just have not been able to do a great job of being able to put bat to ball. They're kicking the tires on Dixon Machado. Very good fielder. Not so good in terms of bat. Lamonte Wade Jr., Dom Villar, Joey Bard, along with Brandon Crawford when he's been out there because he's been all sorts of banged up. They're only at 220 or lower, and this is a Giants bunch that they rank in the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen area. Now, Jolin Garcia, Camilo Duvall, John Brebbia, these guys have been relatively solid, all providing an ERA that is a sub-3-3 at this point, but Dominique Leon has had his ups and downs. Tyler Roger certainly has been as well. Thomas Zapucky, who actually wanted making a start earlier in the season, against the Giants where he wound up giving up nine runs and got four outs. He's now been added to the roster. Oh, yip de doo there. But for the Pittsburgh Pirates as well, you don't have a lot of firepower in this lineup. You've got a level Brian Reynolds has been able to do for this team. 16 bombs as he, along with Michael Chavis, have been able to hit between about a 248 to a 258. Chavis has been able to go deep 12 times. But other than these two guys, you had one other guy in the starting lineup yesterday with more than four home runs. That would be O'Neill Cruz. And for Cruz, along Gregory Allen, Rodolfo Castro, Diego Castillo, you're able to go down the line of guys and get 215 or lower for this team. Kevin Newman, he's been able to move the line. It's he and Jason DeLay have been hitting between about a 255 to a 265, but don't have a lot of guys for the Pirates. 
They're able to give you a lot of production. And for Logan Webb, he has been absolutely dominant at home the last few seasons. As a matter of fact, in all of his regular season pitching appearances last season at home, the Giants did not wind up losing a single one of them when he was at home during the regular season. Now, I believe that they've lost three of his starts thus far this season when he has been at home thus far this season across 12 starts, but he has been absolutely tremendous, giving up two home runs in 71 and two-thirds innings, a 3.01 ERA at home. He's been able to get right in the neighborhood about eight and a half strikeouts for nine innings. has been able to do a solid job in terms of command, so I do think that you're going to get the best of Logan Webb in this spot, one to lay up to a minus 124 on the run line, and seven or less, looking at an over 7 half prior to the under as we go 9-17-9-18 on the bang board. It is the Cleveland Guardians. They throw it face off against the Toronto Blue Jays as Mitch White is going to be going for the Jays and Tristan McKenzie is going to be on the bum for the Guardians. No numbers currently up on this game. It was a little bit of a TBD situation in terms of both of these starters, but I did wind up saying the Blue Jays as a minus 148 favorite in this spot and it's a situation where I set the total at an 8.7 and after less would be looking at another 9 or higher to the under for Tristan McKenzie, big thing for him. Can he keep the ball in the yard in a little bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark? It's not demonstratively too bad, but with that said, Tristan McKenzie has had a tough time giving up the deep ball right around 1.4-ish home runs per nine innings as far as the season, a 340 road ERA, but the big thing on the road is that he is giving up more around 1.5 home runs per nine innings, but to the credit of Tristan McKenzie, has really locked down with his command, giving up only about 2.4 walks Per nine innings, and for Mitch White, this is going to be start number two for him as a member of the Blue Jays. He wound up giving up three runs in four and two-thirds innings in his debut on the road against Minnesota. And overall for the season, began his career with the L.A. Dodgers. Not bad, not great. Right around a 386 ERA. He gives up about a home run per nine innings, three walks per nine. Not a guy that's going to go out there and get a bunch of strikeouts with right around 7.2, 7.3 per nine innings. A competent pitcher, which that's more than what we can say for Yusei Kikuchi and Jose Barrios. So that's going to be able to help them out now with the Guardians. They entered into the series with the second fewest home runs of any team in the big leagues, but right around two-thirds of their home runs have actually come on the road. They wound up pounding out a pair yesterday and just have a team that up and down has been able to do an incredible job of being able to get on base. Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, Jose Ramirez, Amid Rosario, Stephen Kwan, all hitting above a 270 for this bunch. As a matter of fact, you wound up having two guys in the starting fold for this team yesterday that were hitting below a 255. There aren't a lot of teams that are able to say that. The Blue Jays, they are a team that from time to time they might be able to say that as well, depending upon the day that you take a look at them. And one of the guys that's hitting below 250, Matt Chapman, he has gotten hot recently. He's been able to 325 with nine home runs in his last 77 at-bats over the course of the last three days. He has been terrific. Lourdes Gurriel, L.A. Under Kirk, they're both hitting above a 300 ever since coming off the injury list. Hey, Oscar Hernandez has been amazing. Fly Guerrero Jr., we all know what he's capable of. Hitting right around a 285, 23 home runs. They are dealing with an injury, though, to George Springer. And when you take a look at this Blue Jays bullpen, the loss of Tim Mesa, I do think that winds up making a little bit of a difference. They wound up having to go to it quite a bit yesterday because Jose Barrios wound up giving a just complete and utter garbage sharp. But Amy Garcia, Adam Simber, throwing their David Phelps, all these guys have been rock solid for the scene. They're all posting up. Earrings are sub three. They pick up Anthony Bass at the trade deadline before the Guardians, Emmanuel Classe, one of the most lights out closers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues and the Guardians. They rank in the top eight in the big leagues in terms of their bullpen ERA. Sam Entages, Eli Morgan are able to lend multiple innings. They've regressed a little bit since the beginning of the season, but Nick Sandlin, Trevor Steven, both giving you a sub three ERA as well. So, Divine is saying the Blue Jays minus 148 in this spot, and after less, looking over nine or higher to the under as we go 919, 920. 
County on the bank board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing against the Baltimore Orioles. Jay McLanahan, who's going to be going for the Rays, and for Baltimore, it is a little bit TBD, which is why this game is off the board. I've been seeing in places that it's going to be Spencer Watkins, a little bit up in the air just because of Blue Jays versus Orioles game a few days ago wound up getting washed out. As a result, the Orioles, they did wind up having to configure their rotation a little bit differently, but if it does wind up being Spencer Watkins against Shane McClanahan, which right now I'm seeing on ESPN.com, I would be saying the Rays right around a minus 210 would be well in the lay, only about a minus 103 on the run line. So if I'm not really getting even money or better, I wouldn't be willing to take the race on the run line. I did mind saying my total is 6.8 to where a 6.5 or less, I'd be looking at an over and a 7 or higher to the under for Spencer Watkins. Has been much better since getting recalled from AAA. I do have a little bit of worry, though, over the fact that he did wind up allowing four runs in his last start against the Pittsburgh Pirates. That was a home start after he wound up having four starts in the month of July. I wound up allowing just six runs. And for that matter, if you combine June and July, he wound up giving up a combined six runs of five starts. So it's really been a guy that has been able to find himself after last year. He had an ERA that was north of eight, and he was giving up well over two and a half home runs for nine innings. This year, he's been giving up more in the neighborhood of one home run per nine innings while allowing about three walks per nine innings. And for Shane Klein and a couple worry spots with him as well recently. He has given up a combined nine runs over the course of 10 and two-thirds innings against the Guardians and the Detroit Daggers. Not teams necessarily known for mashing. Now, with McLean and he's been able to keep the ball in the air, giving up about one home run per nine innings. He's still getting 11 punch outs per nine innings as well and has been very solid at home. 232 on giving up seven home runs in 77 and two-thirds innings at the trop. Opponents overall hitting just a buck 84 off of them, but Ray's bunch at, they don't have a lot in terms of firepower in the offense. Isaac Paredes, right now leading the team in home runs with 14. That is just a little bit unacceptable for the team. Now, you've got Randy Rosarena, David Peralta, G-Man Choi, only between about a 245 to a 255 overall for the year. Christian Bethencourt hitting a 235, but ever since he's gotten to Tampa Bay, he, Jose Siri, Taylor Walls, when he's been out there, Vida Le Brujan, laying below the Mendoza line of Jordan Bennett. Lyle, he's been able to about a 240 for the team, and I mean, credit where credit is due to Yandy Diaz, his 390 on base, but the Baltimore Orioles, all of a sudden, they've been able to get hot with their lineup as Ryan McKenna, Adelie Rushman, Ryan Moncastle, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Austin the Sayes, Kid, only between about a 255 to a 265. Santander has been able to deliver 20 home runs. Rushman, how about the way that he has been able to come on as well? It felt like him getting called up to the big leagues was really what the Orioles needed as a little bit of a rallying cry. He's been able to provide north of a 450 on base over the last 30 days. That's been incredible for the team. Ode Mateo at the bottom of the fold. He right now leads the American League in terms of stolen bases. And then when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, you just got arms upon arms. Even if they do wind up using quite a few bullpen pieces, you're able to trust in darn near all these guys. It's Nolan Tate, CNL Perez. Keegan Aiken, you're able to throw in there Joey Kreeble as well as Felix Batista. They're all posting up in the area of a 276 or greater in the race. They do a good job of being able to maneuver their bullpen as well. These are two of the top 10 bullpens out there in the big leagues, but the Orioles actually rank in the top five. And for the race, you do have Jason Adam. He's able to provide a sub two ERAP Fairbanks as be able to find himself after coming off of the injured list. You've had Brooks Raley, Colin Pooch be able to do a very solid job. Both guys providing a sub three ERA as well, but I do think that you've got a a little bit more in terms of the Baltimore Orioles in terms of bullpen. It's just a case in which Shane McClanahan, I do think that he's going to get back online. He certainly wants that Cy Young award. I do think that the Rays going to be able to generate enough offense to be able to help him out here. So I do mind him saying the Rays as a hefty favorite. Minus 212 on the money line. Minus 103 on the run line. This is a case in which 6 half or less. I'd be looking at an over 7 or higher to the under. 921-922 on the banking board. It is the Chicago White Sox. They're going to be playing us to the Detroit Tigers. As Matt Manning is going to be on the bump for the Tigers. 
Brewers and Lucas Giolito is on the bump for the Southsiders. White Sox between minus 196 and minus 215 favorites. Meanwhile, the Tigers anywhere between plus 178 and plus 185. It is your total. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. And when it comes to the Tigers, it's willing to take anything north of a plus 168. I don't see why Lucas Giolito is such a big favorite in this spot. He has not been good all season long. He's posting up a 491 ERA. He wound up giving up just one run in his last start against the Rangers, but if you saw that start, he wound up having to strand like eight or nine men on base. He had to strand the bases loaded at the very minimum once. He had a bunch of men in scoring position all throughout that start. Now, he's been able to do a good job in terms of swings and misses. He's been able to get right around 10 strikeouts per nine innings, but the gopher ball is really hurting him. 1.65 home runs per nine innings, giving up a 598 ERA with a little bit over 1.7 home runs per nine innings at home thus far this season, and opponents are hitting a 307 off of them in Chicago. Meanwhile, Matt Manning, it has not been a big sample size for him thus far this season. He has spent much of the season on the injured list, but since coming back, has made two starts, one on the road against Minnesota, one at home against Tampa Bay. Wound up giving up a combined three runs across 12 innings. Now, they lost that game against Tampa Bay by a count of 7-0 to because a bullpen that has been relatively solid all season long, a top seven team, as a matter of fact, in terms of bullpen ERA, they do wind up having things go straight down the toilet bowl for them, but you do take a look at the Tigers bullpen, what they've been able to do overall this season, and it's been relatively impressive as you've got so many guys like a Jose Cicerno, Joe Jimenez, Alex Lang, Andrew Chafin, all these guys posting up early a sub-3-3 ERA now. And to give Daniel Norris a start yesterday, that doesn't necessarily go the world's greatest for being able to preserve this bullpen, but I mean, with that said, somehow, some way, they were able to piecemeal together some relatively good innings out there, but you do take a look at this Detroit Tigers lineup, and it is pretty pitiful. Javi Baez is hitting about a 220 for the sponges, 11 home runs right now leading the way. You've been able to get a little bit of production out of Riley Green, but you've got Jonathan Scope, Jameer Candelario, Akil Badu, Cody Clements, all hitting currently a 215 or lower, throwing their Tucker Barnard. We would have Spencer Torkelson in there along with Robbie Grossman, but Grossman got traded, and Torkelson was so bad they got sent down to AAA. Meanwhile, with the Chicago White Sox, this is one of the best teams at being able to put the ball in the play, but the problem is they rank in the bottom seven in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. Andrew Bond, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu, they're only in between about a 290 to a 300. Tim Anderson, he's in that fold as well when he's been out there, but he's been dealing with a little bit of a suspension as well. And then Yoel Mankata, Yasmani Grandal, these guys that have been banged up, they just haven't been able to find themselves all season long. And for the White Sox, they have a pair of guys in Kendall Graben, along with William Hendricks, that do an amazing job out there in the bullpen. But you got your question marks with guys like Matt Foster, Jake Diekman, along with Joe Kelly, all posting up another four ERAs. Jimmy Lambert and Reynaldo Lopez, failed starters, have actually been really some of their best bullpen pieces for this team. But I do think that you've got good value here on the Tigers and a little bit of a lower scoring game. I do think that the Tigers, they team that's averaging right around 2.6 to 2.7 runs per game. Going to be able to get to 3-plus in this spot against a guy like a Lucas Giolito. So, they might have saying my total at 7.9. Still think that's going to be relatively low scoring. I don't think bookmakers have adjusted enough for how bad this Tigers offense is. So, I'm diving under. But with the Tigers, won't take anything north of plus 168 with them. So, look at Tigers along that under 923 and 924 on the bang board. It is the Oakland A's on the road against C. Houston Astros. Lance McCullers Jr. is going to be making his season debut for the Astros. Meanwhile, it is good old to be determined who is going to be on the bump for the Oakland A's. This is a game that is presently off the board. Right now, it's looking like you're going to get either a bullpen game or you're going to wind up getting Jared Gaining for the Oakland A's. And this is a spot in which I do think that if you wind up getting a Mondo number, it actually does provide a little bit of value 
on the Oakland A's because, for one, I absolutely love fading guys coming off the injured list because typically they aren't going to be going too deep in a start. And you take a look at what Lance McCullers Jr. wound up doing at the AAA level in his rehab. He didn't look good at all. I mean, he wound up making four starts, posting up a 675 ERA. He wound up giving up 4.7 walks per nine innings, one and a half home runs per nine innings. That's not good. Now, I do recognize that some of these starts, they wound up being out there in the state of Texas. They wound up being in humid climates and everything like that. But still, that is a little bit unacceptable in my opinion. Meanwhile, for Jared Koenig, well, he's been unacceptable all season long for the Oakland A's as when he's been given opportunities at the big league level. It has resulted in an ERA that is well north of five. I will make the case that Koenig has been a little bit unlucky whenever he has gotten his chances up at the big league level. And you do take a look at what he's been able to do with the Las Vegas Aviators thus far this season. He's been giving up two and a half walks per nine, innings, seven punch outs per nine. That is hot translated to the big league level, right around four and a half walks per nine innings. But a 432 ERA at the AAA level doesn't sound great. But when you wind up playing in Las Vegas with all that humidity in the ballpark that they wind up having out here at the AAA level, that's actually not overly terrible. So I do take that into account as well. And for the Oakland A's, they've been able to give you an honest effort post-All-Star break. They've been able to play 500 baseball ever since he did wind up seeing the break come and go. And you do have guys like A.J. Puck, Domingo Acevedo, Zach Jackson, along with Sam Ball, who have been able to provide a sub-3-5 ERA out in the bullpen. Now, you don't really have a single guy that has seen more than 40 at-bats this season for the Oakland A's hitting above a 250, but you have Chad Pinder, Ramon Laureano, along with Sean Murphy, who will be able to find a way to be able to get on base with Pinder and Murphy, both being able to provide north of a 235 batting average. You've been able to have a little bit of power as well. Out of Seth Brown, he's been able to provide 17 home runs. He's averaging a home run every about 10 or so at-bats over the last 35 days. And then when it comes to this Houston Astros lineup, Jordan Alvarez, he's been experiencing a little bit of a funk recently. So has 30-plus home runs. So has a 400 on base. But you do take a look down the line. Got a lot of consistency as Elamendi Ciaz, Kyle Tucker, along with Alex Bregman and Jeremy Pena, all in between about a 245 to 255. Bregman, a 360 on base. Kyle Tucker has been able to go deep 19 times. You've got Jose Altuve. He's cranked out 20 bombs. He's hitting a 280. Trey Boom Boom Mancini. He's already got three home runs since he got shipped off to the Houston Astros. Christian Vasquez winds up giving this team a hitting catcher that's able to move the line, ending at 275. And for the Astros, number one bullpen in terms of ERA in the big league, Seth Martinez, Rafael Montero, Ryan Sanek have all been able to provide a 275 ERA or better. Ryan Presley has been very solid in this bullpen as well. So I do think that the Astros should be a very sizable favorite. I did wind up setting the Astros minus 243 on this line. I would be willing to lay up to a minus 120 on the run line. And when it comes to this total, set it at an 8.7. And after less looking over 9 or higher to the under end, plus 245 or greater, would be willing to take a shot here on the Oakland A's. 925-926 on the betting board. It is the New York Yankees. They're on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox. Cutter Crawford is going to be going for the Sox. And one, Frankie Montas is on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees are a favorite of anywhere between minus 140 and minus 145. Between plus 125 and plus 130, your price on Boston. Nine and a half is your total. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. And when it comes to the Yankees, I do feel like they should be the favorite, despite the fact that they have had recent struggles. I do mind saying them as high as a minus 152 favorite. So I'm going to be willing to take a look here. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Yankees, you're going to be finding that and between even money and plus 110. I would rather just stick with the money line, especially with what we wound up seeing out of Frankie Montas in his first start against St. Louis. He wanted giving up six runs in the first two innings of that start. That was relatively grody. I do think that he's going to be able to bounce back here, but with that said, he still has an ERA that has been hovering right around 
a 450 to a 5 when he's been on the road this season. That dates back to his time with the Oakland A's. So that is a little bit of a concern. And for Carter Crawford, it certainly has been an up-and-down season for him. He's been actually one of the more reliable guys for the Boston Red Sox thus far this season. But that speaks to the unreliability that we've seen with the Boston Red Sox really all campaign long as he's got a 430 ERA. He's been giving up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. You do take a look at Cutter Crawford the last time he wound up facing off against the Yankees. The team was able to get the WN across his start and two long relief appearances. He's only given up one earned run, two runs in total over the course of seven innings. So a little bit encouraging there. He has been able to do a good job of being able to get swings and misses a little bit over nine punch outs per nine innings. But his last start against Kansas City Royals, he wind up getting lit up, giving up five runs in that one. So if you got your ups and downs there with the Red Sox, you do know that there's guys that are going to be able to move the line, but you've had J.D. Martinez be absolutely terrible for the team recently. He bounced back with multiple hits yesterday, but prior to that, he had been batting about a buck fifty over the last 45 days. That is not what you'd like to see as Alex Verdugo, along with Eric Hosmer, Christian Arroyo, overall for this season, they've been able to a 270 to 280 for Hosmer ever since he wound up getting sent to Boston. He has not necessarily had a big sample size, so we shall see what winds up happening there. Tommy Pham, he's already been able to give this Red Sox team multiple homers, and Rafa Rafael Devers along Xander Bogarts. Both of these guys have been able to above a 300 and for Devers, he's been able to pound at 24 home runs as far as the season, but for the Yankees, you still have that guy by the name of Judge. He now has 100 RBI. He goes deep once again yesterday. He and Anthony Rizzo have been absolutely incredible as these two guys have been able to combine for, I believe, now 73 home runs this far this campaign. But what gets lost with this team is that now you've got Andrew Benditendi and DJ Turner up LeMayu, both providing north of a 275 on base. Isaiah Kinnair Falefa, he's been able to body 265 as well. Now, you do have to rely upon Aaron Hicks a little bit. I know that Yankees fans don't necessarily have a lot of fondness for him, but Glaber Torres, he's hitting a 250, 16 plus home runs out of him. The big thing with the Yankees is that we have seen the bullpen really regress. Aroldo Chapman hasn't been himself all season long. I will say Albert Abreu, I think, deserves a few more innings. He's got a sub-3 ERA. Clay Holmes, we've seen regression there. As overall for the season, Holmes has a 2.22 ERA, but you take a look at his last 30 days, and it's been not necessarily too terrific for him as he's posting up right around a 5.80 ERA in that time span, though. Wani Peralta, he's been relatively solid. Lucas Lukey, he's been able to lend some good innings, and it's still better than what Boston has, as you've been able to have John Schreiber be able to post up a sub-250 ERA, but you've seen Eric Sawamura regress a little bit. Darwin's Hernandez has north of a 20 ERA. Austin Davis, Ryan Brazier, Matt Barnes, all these guys, they've had a rough go of it, all posting up north of 460 ERAs. Caleb Ort has not been good as well, so I do think that the Yankees are going to be able to bounce back, and I do think that this is going to be a relatively high-scoring game in this one. I did wind up saying my total as a result at a 9.2. I think that perhaps we went a little bit too far with a 9.5. At a 9.5, we'll be looking at an under, though we're seeing heavy juice if we wind up getting a 9. Personally, would rather have a 9 over rather than a 9.5 under, but we shall see what winds up happening there, and one to lay up to a minus 152 when it comes to the New York Yankees as well. 927-928 on the betting board. It is the Walker Texas Rangers. They're going to be playing out to the Seattle Mariners as going for the Mariners. You've got Monaco Gonzalez and Dane Dunning. It's going to be looking to get her Dunning for the Rangers and for the Rangers, we were talking about this game with Albert Wynn, and we've seen a little bit of a line move here. They opened up as the underdog. Now you're finding them anywhere between minus 105, minus 112. Meanwhile, when it comes to Seattle, anywhere between minus 110 and plus 102 is your price. 8.5 is your total. The under is minus 115, and the over is minus 105. And when it comes to Rangers, was willing to lay up to a minus 114 with them. Dane Dunning has had an ERA 
as I mentioned with Albert, right around two and a half points lower when he's been at home rather than on the road the last two seasons with Texas as far this season, right around a five ERA when he has been on the road compared to a three ERA at home. And for Dunning, he's been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard in both environments as he's given up a little bit less than home run per nine innings. A big thing for him when he is in Arlington is that he's just able to provide a better opponent's batting average. 209 at home, 301 on the road. So that's been solid. And he's also been walking a couple fewer guys as well for Marco Gonzalez. Hard to trust in him because he has been giving up the deep ball constantly this season. Right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings. He's got a 447 ERA on the road, giving up right around two home runs per nine innings. Opponents are at 295 off of him. He's a pitch to contact guy that's giving up right around 2.8 to 2.9 walks per nine innings. And he's generating fewer than six strikeouts per nine innings as well. Now, the good news for him is that he's backed up by a Mariners bullpen that over the last 45 days has been by far the best out there in the big leagues. Andres Munoz, Diego Castillo. First two months of the season, these guys combined for north of a 5 ERA ever since then. They've combined for a sub-2 ERA. Pem Murphy, Paul Sewald, they've been constants all season long, providing a sub-2-6 ERA. Matt Brash has resurfaced into the bullpen. He's been solid. And then you've got, on the flip side for the Rangers, a pair of guys and Matt Moore along with Brock Burke providing sub-2 ERAs. Jonathan Hernandez has been solid, but they wound up having to use pretty much a bullpen game yesterday. That does wind up putting the Rangers behind the 8-ball, which means that they are going to need to get a little bit more length out of Dane Gitter-Dunning. But you do have a Rangers lineup that, just across the board, You've been able to have some relatively good offense from all these guys as Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia, Jonah Heim, only between about a 245 to 255 Seager. He's been able to pound out 25 deep balls as far this season. Jonah Heim, 13 home runs. Adolis Garcia between 18 to 19 of his own. Nate Lowe, sitting about a 285, 16 home runs out of him. Ezekiel Duran has been able to hit about a 240, so he got a lot of constants for the team. And then look no further than Marcus Simeon. He wound up having zero home runs through his first 40 or so games in the season. He's now got 17 bombs and take a look at what he's been able to do over the last 30 days. He's been able to provide right around a 325 on base. And for the Seattle Mariners, they do wind up getting back Julio Rodriguez. He, along with Eugenio Suarez, have been able to provide 18 home runs as far as the season with Rodriguez. He and Mitch Hanniger, who's also back, and he wound up having north of 30 home runs. Last season was a very good clutch hitter for the Seattle team when they were trying to make their push to the postseason. They're both hitting between about a 270 to a 280. You've got Eugenio Suarez, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, 330 on base. Jesse Winker, 345 on base, despite the fact that the batting average has not been there. And then all of a sudden, Adam Frazier, who was much blind at the beginning part of the season, he's really been able to pick it up, hitting north of a 300 over the last 30 days, north of a 325 over the last 40. And, and it's gotten to the point where G.P. Crawford has had the bottom of the fold. You need a little bit more out of guys like Carlos Santana, Cal Raleigh, Abraham Toro and company as they're hitting a 215 or lower, but certainly has been a case in which Seattle has been able to fire on all cylinders. But I do think that Marco Gonzalez winds up doing irreparable damage to what we wind up seeing in this game and that is why I do like the Texas Rangers up to a minus 114 in this spot. Also wound up saying my total at 8.6. I do think that with Seattle getting back Julio Rodriguez it's going to be up about their offense a little bit and I think that Gonzalez is going to be giving up some more contact. So looking over and looking at the Rangers. Now we go to my DK Nation pick of 929-930 on the betting board. It is the LA Angels. They're going to be playing us to the Minnesota Twins. Dylan Don't Call him Al Bundy is going to be going for the Twins and Reed Detmers is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are anywhere between even money and minus 105. Meanwhile, minus 110 is your price on Minnesota. Eight is your total with the over and the under all over the place. It is anywhere between even money and minus 120 on both sides. And the DK Nation pick, it does stem to this total. I wound up setting mine at an 8.7. The DK Nation write-up is going to be on the over because when Dylan Bundy winds up hitting the road, it has not resulted in very good, shall
shall we say, starts for him. He's got a 6-5 record, 5-1 ERA, but you dive into it, he's got a 283 ERA at home, 633 ERA on the road. Also keep in mind, he pitched for the Angels last season, and the Angels, they need any help that they can get with their offense, and you know what? Knowing exactly what Al Bundy is going to be pitching, that's going to help with that. Yes, I called him Al Bundy intentionally, but he's given up right in the neighborhood about 1.8 to 1.9 home runs per nine innings on the road. Opponents are getting a 300 off of him. That's exactly what the Angels are going to need to be able to get back from being stuck out of neutral, because if we got an Angels lineup in which Otani has been able to deliver 25 bombs, he's hitting a 255 Luis or an Evo, Taylor Ward. They're both hitting at 270, but for Ward, he's been hitting right around 200 since coming off of the injured list. Now, to the benefit of this team, David Fletcher at the top after he had a terrible start to the season. I think they wound up going down to the minor league level. He's been able to hit above a 300 ever since he wound up getting resurfaced back at the big league level. Jared Walsh, he's hitting for just a 225, though. It's been a little bit of a rough season for him. And for the Minnesota Twins, you've got Byron Bucks at the top, 27 bombs. Needs to work on the batting average, but you've got other guys like Gilberto Cicino, Jose Miranda. They have been able to do a solid job getting on basing between about a 270 to 280 there. Carlos Correa, Gio Urshela, Alex Kurloff, they're all in a 250 or higher. You've been able to get 15 home runs out of Jorge Palanco along with a 340 on base. And for the Minnesota Twins, been a little bit touch and go with this bullpen. Giovanni Morin is someone that's currently on the injured list for this team. Emilio Pagan has just been terrible in the bullpen. Now, they do pick up Jorge Lopez along with Michael Fulmer. A pair of guys that have been very rock solid out there in the bullpen all season long. But you've got Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera. 8th and ninth inning guys for this Angels team, both posting up north of a 375 ERA. They do get back Jimmy Arrogate. He's been relatively solid. He and Jose Quijada both have been able to post up a sub-3-5 ERA along to Andrew Wants, but certainly has been a very trouble spot for the LA Angels all season long. And for Reed Detmers, he has been able to resurface at the big league level, and he himself has been pitching much better recently. Overall for the season, a 344 ERA, and it's about 8.2 strikeouts for 9 innings. But you do take a look at the last five starts, and Detmers has been able to get some really good swing and miss stuff north of 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings in that time span and over his last four starts has given up just five runs, four of which were earned over the course of 25 innings. So that has been to his benefit, but he's also been a guy that has been very inconsistent throughout his career as well. He's still giving up quite a few walks as he has given up at least two walks and now three out of his last four starts. I do think that that could wind up manifesting itself a little bit in his spot overall for the season, right around 3.1 walks per nine innings. I do think that the Twins are going to be able to jump on him, and I do think that the Angels, they've got a good chance to be able to slug it out against our good friend Dylan Bundy. So as a result, I did wind up making the Angels minus 124 favorites. I'm looking at the Angels and the DK Nation pick. Going to be on the over end. We wrap things up with 931-932 on the betting board. The Kansas City Royals, they're going to be playing those to the LA Dodgers as Andrew Heaney is going to be going for the Dodgers and Brad Keller is going to be on the bump for the Royals. The Royals are big underdogs. Anywhere between plus 195 and plus 210. Meanwhile, when it comes to the Dodgers, you're going to be finding them in between minus 230 and minus 249 is your total. The over is minus 120 and the under is even. And when it comes to the Royals, I did need at least a plus 216 to be able to take a shot on them. We're getting close, so this is going to be something that I'm monitoring because right now, if you're looking at the Dodgers run line, it is anywhere between minus 145 and minus 150. Even if we wind up getting to like a plus 135 to a plus 140, getting a run and half with the Royals, that's somewhere that I'm going to be looking. So, in some form or capacity, when it's all said and done, I do anticipate this being a play on the Royals. I'm going to be in a little bit more wait and see mode and this would be a case of which we were talking about it with Albert Wynn. If I do look at the Dodgers, it would be on the run line because they have been winning so many games by multiple runs. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression for Andrew Heaney. He has been able to propose up a sub-2 ERA thus far this season. 
he has been having some injury issues, which is why he has only, I believe now, five or six starts this season as he wound up having a couple starts out there in April, got hurt, wound up making a start in June, wound up getting hurt, but ever since he has been able to resurface, has been tremendous. 0.64 ERA, as a matter of fact, though. Fielding independent right around 2.34, has been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the air, but that is a little bit of a worry spot for his career. 1.6 home runs per nine innings out. The good news is he is going up against a Royals team that they have been a little bit lesser at being able to get their home runs as far this season, but MJ Melendez, he has been able to pound out four bombs over the last 10 days. He has really been able to find himself. You've also been able to get some really good production as well out of someone like Bobby Witt Jr. Witt Jr., a very promising prospect for this bunch who has been able to about a 250. He's been able to provide 15 plus home runs. Salvador Perez has been able to go yard despite the fact that he's only hitting about a 215. And Vinny Pasquinto, he has been able to do a massively good job over the last few days as well. He wound up having a rough start to begin his career. Now hitting about a 245 with six home runs over the course of 142 at bats. But you look at the last 30 days, hitting about a 275 four home runs over the course of his last 90 at-bats, so he's been able to build something that we all know about this Dodgers lineup. You've got Trey Turner along with Freddie Freeman, both hitting above a 3 with Freeman, hitting more in the pocket about a 325. You've got Turner, Freeman along with Will Smith, all providing between 15 and 18 home runs, and then Mookie Betts leadoff spot, 275 average, 25 home runs. Need a little bit more out of guys like Max Muncie, Cody Bellinger, and company, but heck, even Answer Alberto, Trace Thompson, these guys are hitting at 250. Justin Turner, before he wound up getting hurt, he was hitting above a 300 overall for the season. He's hitting at 260 and for the LA Dodgers, top bullpen in the National League in terms of ERAS. They're currently dealing with a little bit of an ailment to Yancey Almonte, but with that said, Evan Phillips, Caleb Ferguson, they've got a sub-2 ERA. Alex Vecchia has been able to provide some good innings. Craig Kimbrell has been a mess all season long, and they're going up against a Royal team, which they do have a bottom bullpen in the American League in terms of ERA, but you've been able to see a couple guys be able to step up for the team. Scott Barlow has a sub-250 ERA. Taylor Clark being on the injured list. That does wind up hurting them, and Jack Josh Shima has not been himself this season. 446 ERA. I do think that he's going to be able to pick it up a little bit more, but Dylan Coleman, he's been able to provide a sub-3 ERA. Joe Piamps has been able to provide multiple innings at times. He has been relatively solid as well. And for Brad Keller, he does his best pitching when he is at home. For Keller, he's always been a guy that has been able to keep the ball in the yard. Walks have been an issue for him. Career about three and a half walks per nine innings as far this season. It's been right in that neighborhood, but he's given up about one home run per nine innings overall this season. But you take a look at what he's been able to do in Kansas a 372 ERA compared to a 540 ERA on the road, giving up about 0.8 home runs per nine innings when he has been at home. Opponents are just a 238 off of him. I do think that he's going to be able to lend some good value as long as I can get up to about a 215 or so with the Royals. Going to be one to dig a shot there. And I do think that Keller going to be able to keep the ball in the yard. I think that Andrew Heaney is going to see a little bit of regression, but it's still going to be relatively solid set by total at 8.4. So looking at the under as well. Now we're wrap things up for the Saturday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. A big thanks to Albert Wynn, better known as analytics capper, he wound up joining me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, baseball betting show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore one Keep in mind, letter CM. They mean does not matter. So as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At 
Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.